All right, so let's, let's take a look ahead. This is the flight plan. Uh, Buffalo, week week nine. Simple question: Matt, Is there a chance? Jets. I don't. I don't buy into Vegas odds. Like I hate Vegas. Whatever. Like Vegas exists to make money. Jets are thirteen and a half point underdogs this weekend. At, at home. At home. At home. After watching Josh Allen this past weekend. I don't know, man. If if there's a way they're going to do it, it's because they're going to have to get to Josh somehow, and and they have the secondary to do it. But is there a chance? No. A few moments later. After the jet timeout on defense, here we go. Crowd going wild. Thirty-three seconds to go in the game. The Jets lead by three. Fourth and twenty-one. As Allen drops back to throw at his own five-yard line, scrambling to his left. Buying time, looking downfield. Heaves a bomb for Davis. Sauce Gardner's there. It's knocked away. Sauce Gardner in position on Gabe Davis. Knocks it away. And the Jets are going to take a knee and win it here at MetLife Stadium. Clear for takeoff. Welcome once again to Jet Fuel, the Jets Discord podcast. As always, I am your party host, Joe Rivera. Along with me, as always, is my educational, informative, handsome, incredibly astute co-host. He is Tyler Conklin's personal tattoo artist. None other than Matt Salard, a.k.a. King Sliz Sliz. I, I, I wanted to tell you I want you to tell the people to say hello, but I, I see I've cracked you this week. So uh, why don't you why don't you go ahead and, and tell the people hello? Dude, man, you you don't want me working a, a tattoo pen, what, whatever that whatever they call it. You don't want you know Tyler Conklin. Do, do not do not hit me up to to add to your ink collection, my brother. <laughs> man, vibes are good. Vibes are so good. A, a game that no one had any any thoughts of us having a w we came out and we we made josh allen look like zach wilson looked like but minus the running plays yeah. as a passer we we, we kind of made him look like zach did against new england last week man like what what a game what a week just like it, it's not it's not your same old jets anymore and this is like the definitive hey, hey, game. hey we don't say that but i'll allow it in this case it it wasn't a backup quarterback. Yes, they had injuries. We had injuries too, man. Like on offense, for the most part, they had all guns blazing, and and we we held them in check, and we did what we needed to do in, in the other two phases, man. What yeah. a win! What so, a win! So let's start there, Sliz, because this is I, I mentioned this on the Discord with the runway rundown, and we're starting here today. I mentioned this on the Discord. I'm going full caveman brain this week. I I mean, PFF grades could take a hike. Um, every, everything about the analytics and everything about, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a big stats guy. I, I don't mean to demean analytics, Liz, but everything about the, the tape and the analytics, throw it all the hell out. Just get rid of it. Okay. This is a game where every, every year of the last 10 years, even if you want to go back to the Rex years, the Jets have a bad loss against a division opponent. They'll come out next week. They'll lay down, right? This game is 14 to three. And you're thinking the same thing. This team is going to lay down. Robert Sala, we'll get to Sala. Robert Sala and this team bounced back in a huge way. Offensively, listen, I know that they didn't do a lot. I know that they didn't look, ask Zach to do a lot. I don't care. It was effective. They they won. The offense moved the ball. Um, everything about this game, Sliz, is just emblematic of, you know what? I'm going in. I'm all in on this coaching staff. I'm in on this roster. I'm in on this team right now. I'm a believer now, man. And it's not that I wasn't before, but this is the game that I'm going to look at and say, you know what? The Jets got everything right about this regime, about about everything, about everything. There are still question marks, don't get me wrong, but I, I'm fully bought in on what they could be this year moving forward. Yeah, we're, we're no longer a team where it's like, oh, man, if if. You know, if everything goes right and the other the other team has a bum game, we we can squeak out a win. You know, we can maybe punch above our weight. It's like, no, we're we're at our weight class. Like this, mm-hmm. we can win any week. We can we can still lose most any week too. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong, 
but there there's no game where it's like you circle it and it's like oh man we got no shot in that game it's like with this defense with the special teams and, and with quite frankly the zach wilson we saw on on sunday we can compete man we can compete and and we're still missing you know we hit we've had a lot of injuries on offense man and and we're doing enough we are doing enough we're adjusting and and you i i said it in the, in the aftermath of the game i said it yesterday probably said it today too like progress isn't linear but mm-hmm. we're, we are seeing substantial progress across the roster with a number of guys but you're seeing it with zach too and, and maybe not the jump off the screen type of way but in 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 major ways and if you re- rewind one game if you rewind multiple games his first couple starts if you rewind to last year there's stuff you saw that we've griped on and on about with him over the course of the past season of play, right? 17 plus games of play now where you're not seeing all those mistakes, man. You're, you're not seeing the balls in the dirt. You're not seeing the, <laughs> the throws he made last week. You didn't see him doing the, the spinorama moves in the backfield this game. Like you saw him standing in there. You saw him delivering like, just in general, man, th- this roster, you, you said it, this coaching staff gets it. Yeah, they get it. And and they're adjusting and they're inspiring their players. And it's it's awesome to see. I, that, you know, I know that was all over the place, but man, no, my, my brain's just no, all over. It's good. I mean, after listen, after a week like that, and it's nice because we have the bye week coming up. So we really get to like sit in this and, and, and really revel in it for the next week and a half. But, you know, so it's, it's here's the thing about Zach and. It's frustrating to me because this is a conversation we've had in Discord with with Ank and everybody else, right? In that I understand that the game plan was to help him out, right? And the game plan obviously helped him out. But it almost feels like there's a bit of discrediting, like there's a negative connotation to saying, oh, well, he executed the game plan, right? That's what you want. Like, that's what I want. That's all we've been asking from Zach all season long executed game plan we said it in the season preview episode what do we want to see from zach this year we want to see him play within the offense we want to see him make the splash plays when they're there not just because you want to bail on a play because you want to make a play when they're there and this game versus buffalo again it wasn't flashy a lot of quick passes some screen plays thrown in there this is what you want to see from zach maybe a little bit more throw volume in the future but this is it man this is what you want to see staying in the pocket delivering balls were necessary like this is it this and and i'm just like i'm freaking out because i feel like i'm taking crazy pills i'm like well they don't trust zach to throw the ball they don't trust Zach. i don't know if that's true to be honest i i just don't like but what i do know is that this offensive line is still not good and they played pretty well on sunday but this offensive line is still not good enough to let those developing routes develop we've seen that Corey Davis was out on Sunday, which is a big blow because he's probably Zach's favorite target to throw to. You still have questions about Elijah Moore and his usage and whether or not he's just super decoy at this point in his Jets career and whether or not that's going to change. All that said, he's still executed. Like, that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. And I don't understand people treating it like it's a bad thing. No, man. And and so I had a quote during the game thread, you know, as we're watching games, we have live live threads to react in unison, right? Which for me, an out of state fan, where you know I'm, I'm watching with my wife and my daughter, but it's good, it's good to bounce like kind of the football nuances off the off the masses that it, you know kind of watch watch at the same level of the same level of background, right? Oh, that's and, uh, that could be a very dangerous thing, Celeste. But yeah, continue. Some sometimes I got to put the phone down for a little bit too. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I made this comment and and I think it was like halfway through the second quarter. I was like, man, I feel like half the time and I know with anything social media, everyone's overly reactionary in the moment. But it's like, man, I feel like sometimes I'm watching a totally different game than some people. It's like at halftime, Zach was 11 of 14 and, and his misses were the deep bomb to Mims on the sideline or on that first drive where. He he stepped in a tight pocket, delivered a, a good enough throw. It, oh, that was it was. Listen, I'll go a step further. I thought it was a great throw. Yeah, honestly, like it, it just doesn't like nothing to gripe there. There was the throw right. high to Mims, which yeah, it was high. Maybe a ball he comes down with, probably a throw he needs to make. But it's like 
And then there was the one where he had the the super weird pocket stepping up, trying to dump it off to Barrios, wanting the dirt. It's like, man, those were those were his only incompletions of the half, yeah. and we're freaking out like this dude was chucking up 50-50 ducks all game. Right. Like it's like, calm down, people. Yeah. Like, chill, take a breath. It's okay. You know what's funny about the Barrios thing? Because I was just watching the, the all twenty-two before we hopped on. Is that so? You see that play developing, and you have, um, I want to say it was Garrett Wilson out wide, and he's running a deep out. Uh, he's running a corner, and you had a layer throw underneath where Uzama takes off from the line. He has a free release, and he's running a corner too. But Uzama runs into the DB, and you could see Zach looking his way, and. If Uzama doesn't fall down there, I think Zach tries to hit Uzama out to the left. But the second that you see Uzama collide with the DB, Zach instantly turns right and tries to dump it off to Barrios. And listen, I don't know if that's where the ball was supposed to go, but these are the things that I want to see. I want to see the progress. I want to see him just play, again, play within the offense. It's not It's not like he has to go out there. Like I'm not asking Zach to go 32 or 40 for 350 yards and three touchdowns every game. I'm not asking about that. I know that there are a lot of fans who want to see that because they want to leave no doubt for two years down the road where you have to, you're thinking about extending this guy. But right now, what I want to see is Zach play the way he played on Sunday. That's it. I don't think that's too much to ask. And I think fans that are out over their skis asking for, more than that, need to understand, so as you said it perfectly, and it's something that I say all the time, progress is not linear. Progress is not linear. Guys break through at different times. They learn at different paces. They learn at different rates. We knew Zach coming out was going to be a guy who's going to need a little bit of extra time. He's going to need extra coaching, hard coaching. And he's playing with a full deck this year. Again, there's no excuses for him the rest of the way, but that is what I want to see moving forward. I don't think that's too much to ask for. Yeah, and and I guess just to put it black and white, right? The the very good thing that he did this week that we harped on, and and I said, you know, kind of in the therapy couch session, I think I said it maybe five times. Like, needs to stay in the pocket. He needs to mm-hmm. deal with pressure. He needs to to sort through his pocket stuff. Like, right. man, he did that. He had yeah. he had one play where he ran backwards and he threw it out of bounds, like out of bounds, out of bounds, not mm-hmm. little half half trying to make a play out of bounds. Right. Uh, and then he had the the Von Miller sack where he was scrambling to his left and fumbling there is unfortunate blindside. The tackle got cooked. Nothing was open. He was trying to extend it. We're down near the red zone. Like more unlucky than anything, but hey, like two, two, two. Those were the only two all game. There were a lot of standing in a collapsing pocket, standing in a tight pocket, delivering from a tight pocket, and really a lot of three-step back foot balls out. A lot of that. You saw that a lot in the quick passing game over the middle to Mims. You saw it to Garrett Wilson a number of times. The ball was coming out on schedule, and we did a lot of that in design with a lot of short screens and stuff, which is awesome. I know going back weeks ago where they asked what's one wrinkle, you know, it's like, hey, we need we need some design running back dump off type screens and we need seam passes. And and we've incorporated them the past two weeks against defenses that have been challenging us in, in different ways. Two good defenses at that. Right. And and so like you're seeing growth in, in these areas and it, it's absolutely awesome. And it's also to the point where I think. I think it's a lot of like quarterback PTSD and shell shock where we hang our on every single throw. And like this throw is going to make or break Zach Wilson. And it's like, okay, he, 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 he lives, he lives to to fight for another throw. It's like, <laughs> Oh, nope. This is the one I am out on Zach Wilson. Right. Yep. And, and it's like you, you watch a game like that. And then even in the same game, you're watching Josh Allen throw, like just like absolute question mark interceptions like the sauce one and, and the the whitehead one especially it's like dude like what what is he even looking at yeah. right like you see that you're watching you're watching other games throughout the weekend whether it's sunday night football monday night football and you're seeing quarterback like every quarterback misses throws even on plays where the where the offense won and then it's also the offense doesn't win every single play like the defense, you're playing against NFL players. The defense wins some plays too. How do you, as the quarterback, live to see another play? And so, like, 
I don't know. All that's just a whole bunch of, of word mumble jumble to say, like, we need to take a breath and look at the body of work throughout the game and, and, and segment. You can like look at drives, look at series. And I'm not saying just ignore the bad or ignore the good, but like missing a throw here, like that Mims throw to the left on that on that short slam, like throwing that high. Is OK, like. Yes, you want him to hit it, but it's like, man, if that's his worst throw of the game, we are doing so much better than we have done in a long while. Like that is a good floor if that is our worst throw of the game. Yeah, and and here's the thing, so we people who've listened to this podcast know that maybe we've been a little bit more forgiving than we should be when it comes to Zach, but we've been fair with him. We've said, listen, the the Broncos game, he was he was not good in the Broncos game. The, the Packers game, again, the same thing, but there's everything requires context. And we've been saying, even the New England game, there was a there was a fair amount of good there. There really was. I know we want to kill him because he had terrible numbers in those games and he was bailing out of clean pockets and all these things. But we, we've also been saying he was making some good throws, especially that New England game where he had the three idiotic interceptions. Not going to forgive him for that. But he was hitting guys in stride. He was hitting guys in the chest with throws all game, all game. All game, but those three bad interceptions take you out of it. Again, I'm not saying that Sunday's game with Zach was a matter of, okay, this is definitively him. We we found our past or the future. What I'm saying is this is what we want to see from him moving forward, period. This is it. This is the floor. And when you, you see when he plays the way he did, we're going to be in games. We're going to be in a lot of games, especially with this defense. I'm all sweaty. I'm all sweaty, bro. I'm all sweaty. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. I mean, and it's not like, let's talk the defense, man. You just talked about it. Like this defense has been good. It's been very good. And, and um, you hate to see Sheldon Rankins. I I want to get that plug in. He's going to be out a couple weeks. Although I think Q said today that, Hey, Hey, he's not, he's not going to be out that long. He'll he'll be back. (laughs) He'll be back before, you know, Sheldon Rankins, who, who I thought was a a potential cut candidate in the off season based on his contract and his performance last year. Like he's been awesome. Absolutely awesome this year. And just all levels are guys outside of, like Whitehead, like talk to talk to Garrett Cole, get some spider tech, get something, dude. Like <laughs> I, I'm glad he he caught that first one, but he should have had another pick in this yeah. game. He, he drops yeah. like a pick a game at this rate, but yeah. defense is playing absolutely awesome, and, and it's just cool to see, right? Like the transformation from last year to this year, and, and it lends some credence to, and and I I got I got absolutely shellacked all last season all off season saying like we didn't invest much in that defense mm-hmm. it was a transition year for the defense between coaching staffs going from a, a, a three four four three we had injuries to key guys on that defense and then this year we invested a lot right we invested in sauce gardner we invested in dj reed we invested more than the jets have invested in edge in like the past 20 years combined Right. All in all this year, we invested in Whitehead, too. Right. And then you're seeing and it looked bleak to start the year. But, man, you're seeing it pay off in spades where it's like this is the foundation of it. Something that can be really, really special. You know, it's special right now. But it's like, man, you add one or two more pieces. You get more development out of a sauce gardener. You get Jermaine Johnson starting to emerge. It's like. Man, watch out what this defense can be next year and beyond because we've got young pieces that are going to be here for a while. The New York Jets had Josh Allen in hell. Yeah. All game. All game, bro. Like, I understand he's still he's still going to have his runs because the guy's 6'8", and he's he's a rhinoceros out there wearing a football. Like, he, this dude's just like a wrecking ball when, he, when he's on the move, right? But all game. They were got not open outside of that first the first throw to to Stephon Diggs forty whatever it was forty something yards right, I mean he had he finished the game with two hundred and five yards passing, and two picks should have been three right, but Sauce is he's not just going to be defensive rookie of the year if I had to guess at this point, I mean I know Woolen's good but he could be an All Pro, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility right now dude like. 
he is that good now. He and we've seen it all year. And and uh, it's funny because like I've just been waiting for the other shoe to drop all year. Like I've been waiting for him to listen. The Stephon Diggs thing was a matter of uh, Brett Coleman put out a great tweet saying that Stephon Diggs went with with the defensive back playing off of him all year has never not run a speed out on that coverage, right? So Sauce bites on the double move because he knows that at least from tendency for the Bills that Diggs is running the out there, but he didn't, and he blew past them for the for the catch, right? Later in the game, Sauce baits Allen into the same the same thing with, with Gabriel Davis on the other side this time, and he picks him off. Listen, dude, there is no way that this kid should be this good this early in his career. It's absurd. It is absolutely absurd. And it's awesome, and, and it's cool that we were – we're competitive and we're good enough where we can talk about some of those intricacies too with tendency breaking. And, mm-hmm. and um, I mentioned it earlier before we started recording about, you know, Dan Arlovsky and, and some of the ESPN guys were breaking down things that the jets were doing defensively with complex masking our, our secondary. And is it cover one? Is it cover three? Is it quarters? Is it quarters half? Like, and and throwing throwing this kind of aura of confusion on the back end. Not that it's anything complex. Like we're not changing our DNA or not, but we're, it's just these subtle wrinkles on where we're kind of floating guys in zone and being very very disciplined and sound and and not taking the cheese and biting mm-hmm. on underneath routes to open up those holes behind. Um, and it's cool, man. It it like it's so far off from where we were a year ago where it almost doesn't even feel like it's possible where we could have made this big of a jump. And, and something I want to highlight that I think gets very lost on this game is sauce got, got beat early on that play. And, and I don't think it was solely because of that play, but you saw our coaching staff make a decision that is uncharacteristic of the scheme. And, and it's, it's a mat. It was a massive adjustment and conscious decision they made where they flipped DJ Reed and sauce where, you know, if, if the offense is going left to right sauce has played all year on the bottom of the screen and in traditional Seattle cover three style, your corner stays on his side. And we we've said that a lot. They flipped that early in the game where DJ Reed started playing on the bottom sauce played on the top. I don't know if that was, a, a matchup where it's like, Hey, let's, if, if they're going to stay, keep their wide receivers kind of on those respective size, let's get sauce with a little more length on Gabe Davis, being able more competitive on those 50, 50 deep ball type stuff and get kind of the scrappy short yardage agility of DJ Reed on, on digs and, and digs, digs worked read a little bit early in the game, but um, it, it's cool to see us make adjustments. I know, fans have been very critical especially last year of not making any adjustments and it's like that was a that was a big scheme tendency breaker and it feels like it's something that that paid dividends over the course of the game and and you look to the second half and Stefan Diggs has zero catches in the second half and it's like man the 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 Jets don't do that they don't make mm-hmm. adjustments at halftime and, yeah. and blank the other team's best player right? right we're so used to the opposite where it's like oh we fought, we we played it close in the first half. Now it's time for the other team to make adjustments and totally throw throw us out of the the arena. Yeah. It's like, man, it's cool to see, man. It's cool to see. Yeah. This this was so this was a narrative smashing game, right? In in many many ways. And listen, am I being an uber homer right now? Sure. I'm sure people are getting nauseous listening to this. But here's here's the fact of the matter: is the Bills came in here. 11 and a half point favorites over the Jets in MetLife Stadium. Again, we said it last week. I don't, Vegas exists to make money, whatever, right? But this is a team that's Super Bowl bound or AFC Championship bound. Like they're that good. And the Jets came in there off a bad, bad loss. Listen, a bad, all three phases, bad loss to the Patriots the week before. And you're saying to yourself, all right, they're going to enter the bye five and four. This is a game that smashed all sorts of narratives. Narrative number one, Robert Sell is not a cheerleader. Okay. I'm I'm kind of really sick of hearing that. Um, Motiv- motivational Sona. speaker, Word, Word right. Smith. 
right hey, hey, Words- so the real wordsmith is up in detroit man <laughs> let's get that clear <laughs> listen fuzzy stoner's out here um love love fuzzy and he's been solid number one guy for a while solid doesn't get to where he is and players don't love him if he's bad at his job period right a guy like richard sherman who has like nothing nice to say about anyone is always is always hyping up Robert Sala, right? Always. And he didn't even play with him for overly long in his career. I mean, between Seattle and and San Francisco, like not not too long, but narrative smash that Sala is not a good coach. Robert Sala is a damn good coach, man. Oh, yeah. Whether it's whether it's your measure of what they do in game, whether it's your measure of his his, his tendencies to try and get this team in the right mindset whether it's the staff that he's built, because I think this is the best staff that they've had in how long, right? Robert Sala knows what he's doing. Hey, and co- Sunday proved co- that. Coaching decisions, being aggressive. I know people are criticizing that that challenge. I think I think that was a hose job by the ref. And yeah, that was bad. That was a where, bad spot. Where they one. they I think the spot was bad, but they moved the sticks forward. Then they're like JK. Then they moved the sticks yeah. back when we already <laughs> broke the huddle. Right. And the play clock was winding down. I think we we're going to have to call a timeout there anyway. So that that's my cope, my justification. I think that's legitimately what happened. It's like, hey, I have to call a timeout anyway. I might as well challenge it because it was yeah. close enough. Um, but like the fake, the fake punt, man. Fake and, punt. And shout out Ashton Davis, Swiss Army knife for random situational <laughs> football situations, right? Like. Good for him for getting a niche on this team and doing well in, in when he's his numbers called upon. But and and I want to shout out too. You know, we talk about things that your head coach influences. We we still aren't having many pre pre snap penalties. Other Denzel Mims false start, but um, <laughs> I mean he's good for one. So yeah, yeah. But dude, it it cannot be overstated. This team takes over fourth quarters. Yep. Like that that fourth quarter drive where we get the ball at the five yard line with eight minutes left with eight minutes left in a tied football game. And it's like, dude, there's no way like we're going three and out. We're punting. They're scoring here. And then we're digging out of a hole. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like and and I know people want to see Zach march us down the field and win. But it's like we like our our offensive line in the fourth quarter versus the offensive line in the first quarter is yeah. like a totally different team. Like first quarter, Michael Carter's got like three dudes draped on him, three yards deep in the backfield. Like he has no shot. In the fourth quarter, we're teeing off, we're blowing guys back. We're we're getting like six, seven, eight yards of carry every single time. And 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 it's on the defense too, where that defensive line is teeing off and punishing. We are mm-hmm. absolutely taking over fourth quarters on both sides of the ball. And that a lot of that is coaching. It's getting your guys to buy in. It's it's maybe your your defensive line rotation paying off a little bit and keeping guys fresh. Just saying. Sensitive topic, but just saying. <laughs> but like we 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 play a complete football game, and that is special to see. In a league where there's not a lot of teams that are heads and shoulders above the rest yep. where every game is competitive, being able to close like this and play hard and complete games. It it makes the difference in so many of these games. And we've seen it in so many of these games on this win streak where the fourth quarter has decided the game and consistently we are coming out on top in the fourth quarter. Yep. Yeah. And the Jets are plus 58 in the fourth quarter, best mark in the NFL. And I think the second highest team is like plus 38 or something like that. So, so as we said it before, and like, I don't want to sound like a broken record on this podcast, but knowing how to close and a young team that knows how to close, like that's something that like teaching young kids, teaching young players, I shouldn't say kids, teaching young players how to finish games is something that you usually sign veterans to teach them how to do, right? Uh, because there's so much that goes into it. It's conditioning. It's how to take care of your body. It's more than just scheme and, and game plan, right? And that's something that where a lot of these veteran players come in and they say, oh, well, this is what you got to do. This is what, you know, how to take care of your bodies, you know, all that stuff. But the fact that this team knows how to do this now with the pass rush that they have, with the cornerback room that they have, it's unbelievable. And on offense too, running running the ball, and we knew the Bills had, had issues stopping the run, but straight down their throat 
straight down their throat. An incredible drive. Incredible drive. I just like, it's pure football sex to watch this drive. It really is. And we've done how we've done that a couple times this year, where it's yep. like we've ran the the five minute, seven minute offense, right? Where we have milked clocks and ended games and just put them on ice. Like I I, I can't get over. Like you said, we took that over with eight with about eight minutes left in the game. Marched the whole field, burned burned six minutes till the two minute warning burned all three timeouts and it's like yeah we didn't get the touchdown and and a good play by zach by not forcing a play and just taking the sack living living to take the points knowing the game situation very 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 critical and we get the points and and buffalo's got to go the whole field with no timeouts in a minute 30 minute 20 right like and granted still still a little nervous at that point but you have faith in your defense we're able to play that game and and put 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 the pressure on them to perform against a defense that can absolutely tee off in pass rush situations yep. uh Ogbog is not good <laughs> i mean he got beat on the he got beat on the von miller uh strip sack he got beat i'm pretty sure he got beat on the zach sack and on that drive too if i'm not mistaken Ogbog, what are we doing, man? Yeah. Hopefully, reinforcements to come too, man. Oh and yeah, I I do. So I'm gonna I'm gonna poo poo on some Jets fans parades here, but oh, no. there's been a lot of people complaining about the refs and and the officiating and and various plays this game, and I get it. It's hard with inconsistencies week to week, especially with some of the stuff we saw last week with Mac Jones and mm-hmm. and you know you get the game breaking penalty on jfm but there the the hit on zach in the pocket with like the weird sidearm thing that that's not that's not a roughing the passer we we as football fans should not want that called ever mm-hmm. the the zach as a runner uh, on the left side of the field when he kind of gets spun around and then he gets tackled by the linebacker and there's a little incidental you know face mask to helmet that's not that's not a penalty guys if there's anything to gripe, it's the fact that the Bills probably got robbed of an interception on that simultaneous catch, and I I am here for it. it. It was murky. I think the camera angle they kept showing looked pretty clear that Edmonds came down with it, and then yep. we wrestled it out of the bottom. But like that that game and how it was called, and and really the beauty in it was that it it wasn't a flag fest. They really didn't call yep. much, and and. That's what you want in big time games and big time moments. You want dudes to play, and and frankly, for us, where we're a physical defense and a physical offense, and we're imposing our will and teeing off, you that's how you want the game played. You want you want them to allow our DBs to hand fight a little bit down the field and not call a a, a game changing, absolutely bone crushing, ticky tack DPI on a on a hail mary chuck and right. on the last play of the game, right? So yeah, just like. I know the inconsistency drives people mad, but this game was called well, and yeah. those weren't penalties. Uh, I'm Part- I'm just putting they were not penalties, I- and, and I don't I don't I don't ever want. I get it's Zach. I get it's our team. We should not want those called as penalties, just because it ruins the game. Like it's a slippery slope from that yeah. point too, Sliz. It's like the second that you call. And that's, I think, why it sucks so bad is because the second that you call that JFM hit on Mac Jones, it's like you just want that consistency, right? Like you want if a player is within a step and a half of your quarterback, you know, or a step or he's releasing the ball within a step releasing the ball, you want that call. But Robbie Sabo says this all the time that you don't want those calls because, number one, you want to teach your guys to be aggressive. You don't want guys to pull up, right? So it sucks that you're going to give up 15 yards here and there. You just hope it doesn't come up in critical situations like, like the Mac Jones pick six did. So yeah. And, and not all hits are created equal and, and it, it's dumb. It's dumb how it is, but it's just human nature. Like how a hit looks is more impactful than how, than how that hit actually happened. Right. Like Zach getting hit kind of falling backwards face face to face 
doesn't look like even if it's the exact same step and a half late arms extended type of thing as the JFM thing, which I, th- I think the JFM hit was later. Andy Lon- launched a little mm-hmm. bit. But the, the, back, JFM, yeah. the, the JFM hit, though, like assuming everything was the same between them, the JFM hit was from behind and Mac Jones's head whips. Right. Which that's not JFM's fault. That's just a blindside hit. But when it looks worse, the human nature is to throw the flag. So yeah. I, I just want to put that out there, too, because people grade hits like apples to apples. Just visually look at it. And, and if something looks worse and we see it all the time, if something looks bad, even if it's not really a penalty, if it's a clean hit, but it, but the player gets hurt, there's a good chance the flag gets thrown. Right. Or if it yep. looks brutal, there's a good chance a flag will get thrown. That's just how it is. Right. That's how it's just a, a shortcoming of refereeing, but it, it's the shortcoming of human refs in general. Hey, sauce. And by the way, I just want to point out sauce on Gabe Davis to close the game. Not defensive pass interference. Clean. Clean. Okay. Clean. Number one, Gabe more, Davis more, reaches out. Yeah. And more of and, a drop than anything. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, people were mad that wasn't he wasn't given credit for a, a pass break up there. Right. He didn't touch the ball, but he didn't. very well, good listen, coverage, blanketed it, made it a hard throw, but more of a drop than anything. He probably breaks that up. Let's give him credit there. <laughs> but but yeah, his hand was on his nameplate. His hand was on Gabe Davis's nameplate. His hand was on the front. But Gabe Davis initiates a contact, and you see him trying to push off too. So, it is what it is. Like we saw it, we saw it in the Broncos game twice in the last two minutes of the Broncos game, where they didn't call two. They didn't call two of those. So listen, I'm fine with them letting letting guys go at that point in the game. Like I have no problem with it. I, I think this is where like being a fan, you kind of lose the reality of what's actually happening on happening on the field a little bit right especially in coverage where you're chasing down a guy like just in general and it it applies to multiple sorts i know it applies to soccer it applies to basketball right or like you're post like having a hand or even a jersey full and it's like i I know anytime you see a grip guys i mean oh it's holding it's holding like you're you need like just playing defense, if you don't know, feel for where that guy is, you lose him. Especially as a DB running full speed down field, and you need to, like, it's part of what you need to do is get your head turned around. You need to have a hand on the guy in order to know where the guy is. That's just how the sport is. And so, them not calling that anytime there's even a little handful of jersey, like if it's a full tug or if it clearly impedes them, that's where the flag and, and that's where some of the gray area is. But having a hand on a guy is not a penalty. It's part of the sport. And them not calling that and, and Sauce getting the the little bit of veteran love, if you will, and them not flagging him for that is awesome because it's how the sport really should be played. And you see all these underthrown balls and all these ticky tack DPIs every single week across the NFL. And it's just bad football. You don't want to see that you want, you want the defenders to have a chance, right? Right. So I just wanted to put that out there, give a little context because I think it's, it's easy to lose sight of that when you're watching something in super slow-mo on, and, and just sitting on your couch where it's like, Oh, that was holding that. How'd they miss that? And it's like, man, the one thing that man, one, yeah, yeah. The one thing that infuriates me, Sliz, before we move on to to a few other topics here, is when the the offensive player, the receiver, hooks the defensive player's arm to try and make it seem like the defensive player is is yeah has his hands all over him. That's what drives me insane. And, and I've oh, seen yeah. a lot. I've seen a lot of that. I've seen a yeah. lot of that. And those plays get called. But referee is not an easy job. But I'm I'm glad they called the game the way they did on Sunday. It was it was a clean game for the most part. Like that, that's nothing what, egregious in a big divisional matchup. Let them play, and right. they largely let us play. That's what no holding. Want. I don't think there was a single holding call in the there game. There was on the last drive of the game on the yeah, uh, yeah, on yeah. the Bills. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hate to see that. I'll tell you that. But you know. yeah. Uh, again, narratives were smashed. I think at this point, I'm comfortable saying the Jets, I don't want to say playoffs are bust. I think that might be unfair, but the Jets are in the driver's seat for a playoff spot now. They they very much control their Jets destiny. They're not paper tigers anymore, right? I, I'm fully expecting this team to come out and go to Foxborough out of the bye and handle business up there because that's a game they should have won in week eight. 
that's a game that again the Jets are significant are significant not just more talented they are significantly more talented than the Patriots are at full strength I don't think that's much of a question uh yes the Bill Belichick is still Bill Belichick Fox Foxborough still Foxborough I don't really care at this point and you you know we'll be fired up we'll be pissed yeah. off yeah we will be pissed off going into Foxborough I just hope it's more organic because it certainly feels like there was like a lot of manufactured hype with the black jerseys and the black helmets and and all this stuff I feel like this coaching staff is going to keep keep their finger on the pulse of this team and let them know but we'll we'll get to the flight plan in a little bit uh Sliz, let's let's this week's top gun listen we talked about him before. Not a player. Robert Sala. This week's Top Gun. Guy that... How many coaches in years past, even across the league, not just looking at the Jets, have have a game against the Patriots, big division game, they lose, come out the next week, look flat, get blown out, in their own building at that. Robert Sala has... I want to say he's changed the culture of this franchise. He's changed everything about this team. I, I just, I love this guy. I think he's, again, and people were criticizing him for the Ulbrich hire, who's now officially off the hot seat, by the way. Uh, and listen, who would have thought, who would have thought that, you know, giving, uh, giving a guy some talent on defense and not running, running all these young guys out there, like who would have thought that that would change the defense around, right? But the fact that they have everybody on this defense humming, right? Everybody's working in tandem. A lot of that's all Salah's DNA. That's all his fingerprints, man. So Top Gun this week, Robert Sala for winning a game that a lot of people listen. He said after the game, we're not shocked. We're not stunned. We we expected this, right? Uh, a lot of people wrote him off at the beginning after after week one of this season. After think of how ridiculous that is, Liz. All right. After week one of his second year, right? They were re- and, and with a game backup, that, with a backup quarterback. With a backup quarterback in <laughs> a game that wasn't even that bad <laughs> that so uh robert sala he is this week's top gun and and again we're way hyped up for this because it's a big win but certainly a guy who deserves it yeah and it's like we might not know if zach's the guy it feels like we got the guy at coach right it like you feel comfortable with what sala's done what he's doing with his ability to develop players and continue to build and and he you know he totally uh, this team totally flipped from last year and we're outperforming across the board and like we had that we had that whole preseason discussion around culture and like does winning breed culture or does culture get built and then you know and then the wins come and it, it it's always in the middle right but you're seeing where building that culture before the wins came is just paying dividends and now now that we're winning it's just erupting from the seams right Right. it's like intangibles matter especially at head coach and it's like if your team doesn't have that belief then you won't close these games and you won't get those wins and you're seeing it in detroit right now right where and you're seeing it in jacksonville too where and maybe bad week with jacksonville where they actually did close out a game this week but um where those are comparable young teams with relatively new head coaches. And you're seeing the difference in, in Detroit's the, the obvious head-to-head example where both coaches were touted as kind of CEO, hoorah type dudes. And it we're just we're just doing it different, man. And and you're seeing where that's translating with us so much more. And yeah, just Robert Sala is the guy, man. He is the yeah. guy. And you yep. see why you see why he he I, I feel like people forget and I don't know if it's just selective memory loss sometimes, but like this dude was a top coaching candidate around the league for a reason. Yeah. Right? It's not like the Jets like Dan, like Dan Campbell was not, right? <laughs> like I feel like guys forget that sometimes like this dude is loved around the league and is highly touted and there's a reason for it. And it was a huge hire and he's paying dividends and, and, and props to Woody too, like let, getting his fingers out of the search, letting Joe Douglas run it. And, and like, out, just in general, man, you got to feel so good about our current staff in general. And it's like, you hope that it, that we, that it doesn't get torn apart too soon. 
right at that point which at the beginning of the season you know you'd get laughed for saying oh man we might start losing guys if we do too well but like i i don't think it's it's going to be this year but it, like if we build on this like yeah there's a chance michael fleur or Ulbrick or, or whoever might start getting interviews man right listen a few things about Sal. Number one, I've always liked Sal because I appreciate his honesty, and I know his his players appreciate that too. In that, his his introductory press conference, he said he it. We all know that Sal is a passionate guy, right? We all know that he's. We see him on the sideline; he gets gets hyped up. Great athletes play sports for one of two reasons: for love or for money. Period. Sal has the passion thing down. We get it, but the thing that he's that I've always been appreciative of him is the fact that he goes out and says, my job is to make sure these guys get paid. Right. And I know a lot of these players and careers that don't last long are saying to themselves, well, if this guy can get the most out of me and make me look good and I can cash in, why would I not want to play for that guy? Why would I not want to play my ass off for that guy? So, uh, and, and the other part is when you have a good head coach, look at, Kyle Shanahan, look at, I mean, I'm going to say Belichick because the Belichick tree is terrible, but uh, look at Sean McVay, look at even Andy Reid to a lesser extent. Andy Reid's coaching tree is very good. But when you have a good head coach, losing guys doesn't hurt as bad, right? Because you you can develop these coaching staffs like you would develop a player. And if you get everybody pulling in the same direction and you guys you have guys that can maybe evolve a scheme or evolve a defense or the offense or – those things help. So it's it's a matter of like, it's a good problem to have when your staff is poached because number one, that means you're successful, right? Because the teams are looking at what you're doing and they want you to be, they want it. They want some of that success. And number two, you can, you can build from within and you can build a solid pipeline of coaches. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. That's a good problem to have. So uh, Robert saw this week's top gun. I think, I think he was, Everything he's done, he handled the Elijah Moore situation perfectly. Like you could get on him for what he said about injuries early in the season with the Beckton stuff, but and and hit the Zach Wilson injury and all that stuff. I I don't kill him too much because like it is what it is at the end of the day. But I, I just think he's everything this guy's done has been spot on this year. Spot on. Hey, hey I want to shout out another narrative smash like Denzel Hims with the clutch <laughs> with the clutch catch getting like. This this dude felt like he'd be an every week inactive, and then you know, of course he gets opportunity with injury. And man, I didn't expect anything. And and it's not like he's he's popping off the screen or anything, but the, he he is working hard and and hopefully a good example to Elijah Moore. Like, all right, you did your thing, you wanted out. We we're not moving you. Like put your head down and start grinding and you'll get mm-hmm. when you're when your number gets called, you'll get an opportunity. Right. Yeah. So Denzel Hims. I can't believe you went there, but whatever. <laughs> I had to, man. I had to. All right. All right. So let's, it's time to go around the league in roughly 60 seconds, which I think is a short one today. So definitely not 60 seconds, but away we go. <clears throat> the Reich stuff. Frank is out as the Pats drub the Colts, while Sundays are now Saturdays, with Jeff taking over. The Eagles, frankly, make it hurts against the Texans on Thursday night football, and the Packers are hurting after an ugly loss to the Lions. The Tiger King and the Bengals double up the Panthers, and the Rams show no D late against Brady and the Buccaneers. The Chiefs nut up and take an OT win over Malik and the Titans, and the Saints go marching to an L against Lamar and the Ravens on Monday night. The Dolphins squeak by Fields and the Bears on Sunday, while Gino and the Hawks keep their surprising season rolling over short kid Kyler and the Cardinals. Shirtless Kirk helps lead a win over the Commies, while the Chargers surge in Hotlanta with a win over the Falcons. That was around the league in roughly 60 seconds. So many teams on bye weeks this week. Yeah. Like six I, teams on bye week, I think. That's It, it was kind of cool for the Jets, and, and especially with it being a big matchup, too, with the Bills. And you see the kind of the broadcast map and like a lot of people saw the Jets Bills game. Right. And it's like it, it was just the perfect coming out party for us, man, yeah. where it's like, OK, the narrative has changed. Can't like, only beat backup quarterbacks. Yeah, the narrative has changed. The, yeah. the, 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 the people know who the New York Jets are now, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's so like everything. All the narratives are, are dead at this point, to be honest. 
can't only be backup quarterback, all this stuff. It's just all nonsense. So whatever. All right, Sliz, it's time for this week's Geek of the Week. And we have a few, so but we won't go where we went before. Uh, geeks of the Weeks is the appropriate uh, term here. So what, let's just say that. Uh, so number one, I had to put this one down on here because this is the Jets Discord podcast and Klondike, my man, 0-9 in fantasy football in an eight-man league. Yeah. Like This dude's trying to scarlet letter people for draft takes. <laughs> And, the, and and he's he's sitting on a goose egg fantasy team. Like, get out of here, man. Klondike, it's all, it's all love, but uh, yeah, maybe think twice. Also talking about the Justin Fields stuff again, man. Like, oh, God. Like, listen, Fields has been better in recent weeks, but like, can we wait a little bit before we go there? Anyway, uh, you had a few. You had a few here that yeah, you, you were yeah, so- weeks less, so. We we can't talk about this game without talking about the Skycam fiasco, oh man. And just like, oh, only the Jets, dude. Like our our best drive of the game. Like Zach's dealing, we're moving down the field, and then it's just like a, a random ten minute, fifteen minute interruption in the middle of the drive. And then coming out of the drive, Denzel Mims with a false start, or immediately in a one in a first and fifth. It's like, come on, man. It's like. Yeah. You know, there's always like that back, that back breaking moment in every game where it's like, oh no, it's like, it it, it felt like it could have been one of those, and yeah. and just, of course, it's MetLife, it, just the whole, the whole everything with MetLife Stadium and people hating it, and yeah, so we have some some random thing happen to the Jets that never happens, yeah, Skycam, MetLife, all that, biggest geek of the week, well. Not to be outdone, Jim Irsay, man. Oh my God! Um, that press conference, one the just just this whole sequence, like this this twenty four hours, and I, I'm not even a like I'm not a Colts fan, like just from afar, like dude, absolute insane, <laughs> like absolute yeah. insanity, like. And I know people have gotten on Woody in the past for being too involved and and. I think Woody's grown as an owner. He changed his structure with with the head coach and the GM thing and his reporting structure. And I know there's criticisms about the stadium, but like Woody spends and for the most part, he stays out of the way. Right. But it's like you've seen so many owners around the league the past couple years, like where it's like, what are these guys doing? What are these guys doing? Whether it's Dan Snyder, whether it's the the bozo down in Miami losing his team picks, <laughs> right? Whether it's what you're seeing in Cleveland, where with, with this whole Deshaun Watson fiasco and and everything with Houston too, right? It's like you're seeing just like the these these owners, man, and and then you see Jim Irsay where it's he forced out Carson Wentz. He he I, I guarantee you he he had a big say in benching Matt Ryan and and jumping over Nick Foles to to start Sam Ellinger of, of all people, right? And and now you see him two weeks after he's saying he's sticking with Frank Reich, fire him. And then just pull out like the most like imagine if the Jets dude in the Gase tank years were like, nah, I've seen enough. We're firing Gase. Bring Nick Mangold in here. Like <laughs> Like it just the most out of left field. And I know people are all worked up and this and that. It's like, it's like, th- this isn't a systemic anything. This is just like an idiot owner trying to l- relive the glory days with Peyton right. Manning and Jeff Saturday. And I saw a tweet that was like, man, this is, this is part of the Colts, like 200 IQ strategy to tank for Marvin Harrison jr. In 2024 and Archie <laughs> Manning in 2025 and, and let the good times roll baby. Right. It's, I don't know, man. Like, like it, it's just so wild to see that from the outside looking in and just in, in the press conference, if you can call it that it was just like the most wild ride I've ever been on for, it's, for like just live following tweets and watching it. It's literally Sliz. It's the perfect hire <laughs> because they are trying to tank. Let's be honest. Yeah. That's, that's what this is going to come down to, man. They're they were, they've been stuck in quarterback purgatory since luck retired. Right. They can't figure out what they're doing at passers. So there's that. And with three guys coming out who are, you know, two are going to be between Stroud and Young are going to be off the, the draft board to start. Will Levis, I mean, who knows yet, right? But at least two of those guys will be off one in the top three. So uh, we'll see. But I, this is the perfect, like, 
you give a guy, you throw a guy a bone. He's, I don't expect him. I mean, we'll say like, I wouldn't be, they go out and play the Raiders this weekend and Josh McDaniels is a dumpster fire of his own. So there's that too, but we'll see. We'll see. I, I think it's a, it's a total, total, um, total tank job move, total tank job move. I, I had a real appreciation following all of this for that. Uh, and uh, we just hyped up Robert Sala that we, we haven't hyped up Joe Douglas maybe as much recently, but like I got such an appreciation for how our guys handle media yep, and, and just approach the job versus what we saw yesterday. And Chris Ballard basically, he's, you know, saying, you know, these reporters have been giving me crap all off season for not yep. addressing wide receiver. And then you're looking at our offensive line and, it, and it's playing how as poorly as it is. It's like, dude, you're the GM. You had the most money in the league and you didn't address, you didn't fix either of them, dude. Yep. It's it's just so not self-aware, so arrogant. And it's like, man, I am so glad to like be out of, out of the muck and, and just see the dysfunction from the outside looking in, <laughs> I just smacked my mic. But from the outside looking in, it is so refreshing not to be in the middle of that and just feeling absolutely miserable and helpless, man. Yep. And, and the funny thing is, it's like even when the Jets were losing last year, Sliz, we were like, you know, we suck and and they were bad, but it's not like a matter of like, well, they're the laughing stock of the league because they can't get their crap together. It was a matter of, well, they're bad because they're just not talented, period. Right. Yep. But everything that they were doing, they were doing professionally. Now, does that mean much at the end of the day? Probably not. But it was still nice to see it last year where, like, you know, you still saw the Jaguars and Urban Meyer and you could laugh at the Jags. And you had Dan Campbell biting kneecaps in Detroit and saying what he was saying, right? And you said to yourself, you know what? It's nice not to be those teams. Even if we suck, even if we're bad, it's nice not to be there. And I think, listen. A lot of people don't put stock in that, but as a Jets fan, I'm th- listen, I'm not 50 or 60, I'm not 70, I'm 31 years old, so I I'm not I haven't lived through all the torture for a lot of these, you know, the league how we've said it before, the league doesn't care how bad you've been, you know, the, the league doesn't care how much you suck, so there's that, but it is nice not to have to deal with that anymore. At least Man, that part of it. And and I know it like if you're in that locker room it's different and you're buying in and stuff, but like, like it's just good not being a laughing stock. And, and those players, they're, they're on social media. They, they, they're not numb to it. Right. They, they, you can't in the modern age, you can't block out the outside noise. Yep. Even if you do your best job and you, you really don't listen to it, you hear it. And when, and when you're a laughing stock team that plays on, t- on players mental, that that's when players try to force their way out, move to other teams and stuff. Yeah. And it, it's nice not being that. Yeah, it really is. It, it it does mean a lot, Sliz. It really does. I I don't care what anybody says. That that kind of stuff matters. All right, Sliz, let's take a look ahead by week. So we'll talk about the Patriots on the next episode of the Jets Discord of Jet Fuel. So it, I'm not too concerned about it now. So it is what it is. But let's take a look at the AFC right now, Sliz. And it's it's November, November 9th when this podcast comes out. The Jets are on the in the hunt graphic. <laughs> So that's nice. Not only are they on the in the hunt graphic, but they, if the season ended today, as they say, they're in the fifth seed. So wild card one. There you go. And ha- what half a game out? Yeah. Game and a half out. Yep. Amen. Of the division. And like, and, and we didn't even touch on it, man. Like Josh Allen potentially, he's definitely hurt, potentially missing time. Mm-hmm. Like things can change quickly, man. Things can like they they play a, a hot Vikings team this week. There's some divisional matchups in there. That things can change quickly, man. It's a it's a stacked division this year. We are tightly grouped. One game makes a big difference. All of a sudden, that week 18 game versus the Dolphins. I'm not going to be able to. I can't handle it, man. I, I hope I hope that's not for all the marvels because the yeah the blood pressure is going to be high. If it's for the division. That's one thing, right? Just get me to the playoffs. Yeah. Just get me to the playoffs. Like if, if the Jets are in a, in a spot at that point where like, okay, well, playoffs are, are have it locked up or and they're just playing for the division at that point. Like, yes, I would love to win the division, but we'll see. Just get me to the playoffs, man. I agree. It 
Break break the streak, man. Break That's the it. streak. That's all I'm asking for. <laughs> all right, so let's bring it in for a landing. This is the landing strip. Uh, I want to go first because... Go for it, man. I love macaroni and cheese, right? Um, I, I just like... I had the Chick-fil-A mac and cheese for lunch today. Delicious. So good. My wife makes an incredible mac and cheese. Incredible mac and cheese. Um, Panera bread, for however much I hate Panera bread, because I think they're overpriced and it's ridiculous. I, I think they have a very good mac and cheese. Uh, Wawa has excellent mac and cheese, because Wawa is good at like everything. So what are some of your favorite mac and, macs and cheeses? I'm an equal opportunity consumer. Mm. <laughs> I'm pretty non-biased when it comes to mac and cheese. I'll I'll eat it all. I don't know that I have a favorite. I don't eat a lot of mac and cheese out, hmm. really. So, but yeah, I'll, I'll eat I'll eat anything mac and cheese. There is a big debate in Food Channel with uh, it being November and Thanksgiving coming up. Do you do you approve of mac and cheese at the Thanksgiving dinner table, or are you a traditionalist? So here's the thing. Um, Number one, I'm Puerto Rican, so I grew up having rice and beans on Thanksgiving, which like, you know, I, yeah. I would have, I would have liked some traditional Thanksgiving food, but it is what it is, right? Um, number two, as just mentioned, my wife makes an incredible mac and cheese. She does not make mac and cheese on Thanksgiving. Huh. And and I want mac and cheese on Thanksgiving. I don't understand why we can't have that. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like if, if my whole thing is like I want to be a glutton on Thanksgiving – why can't yeah. I have mac and cheese? Yeah. Hey, I, I'm for it. I, I'm, 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 I like the traditional Thanksgiving foods very much. And Thanksgiving's right. really the only time you have it. So I'm like always in favor of having it. But man, if someone wants to bring something else, throw something else on the table, by all means, I, right. I will, I will eat any, like you said, it's a gluttonous holiday. I will eat any, any delicious food that you present me. I will put it right. on my plate and eat it. <laughs> right. And, and the thing is, it's like, Listen, the pilgrims weren't sitting here eating three bean green bean casserole, right? Like they weren't like so. So save me your traditional stuff. If like they, they weren't like, using cream of mushroom to make green bean casserole, man. Right? Like get get that out of here, man. Campbell's wasn't a thing, you know. But save me your traditionalist stuff, man. Just Thanksgiving, go out and be a glutton. Go out eat what you want, you know. So, all right. So it's over to you. What's on your mind? Yeah, man. The 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 time change, daylight savings, fall back just occurred. Yeah, you know, I'm in. I'm I'm in year two of of this dad life thing. Mm. It's a lot worse with kids, man. <laughs> <laughs> and the dog too. You know, it throws the dog off. I'm I'm not. I, I work from home on Mondays, and so he's tugging on my like, hey, time for a walk. I'm like, dude, I'm not even off work yet. You know. Mm. And then like picking the daughter up from daycare, her clock's all off. She's just bawling crying when we get home oh. put her to bed at like six o'clock 6 15 yesterday i think we'll get her back on schedule quick but it's like we we run a pretty tight ship schedule and and that's good but yeah one it's crazy one hour makes a massive difference it doesn't it, seem like it would but it does yeah it does man it's brutal because like even this what kills me more than like the time change is like you look outside it's 4 15 and it's already dark out yeah. Like what what the hell is this, man? Like it's just uh, Yeah. Brutal. Leaving the office today, I'm like, oh man, the sun's already going down. I better hurry home. Yeah. Like, it's brutal. It's absolutely it's brutal. Awful. All right. That'll do it for this week's episode of Jet Fuel, the Jets Discord podcast. Next week, with the bye week, we're gonna have two episodes. Uh, a lot of special stuff lined up and a and a competition too. So if you guys are out there on Jets Discord listening to this, be on the lookout for some competition details. You can be a little prize at the end of it, but uh, you guys have obviously already found us, but you can continue to find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review where applicable and necessary. It helps us with something. I'm not sure what, but it helps us. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Jet Fuel Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Rivera SN. Sliz, where can the people find you? At Sliz underscore NYJ, probably hating on CJ Mosley. If, yeah. if I had to guess. So yep. I'm, 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 I'm there for all the CJ Mosley engagement. <laughs> <laughs> shout, shout Mosley he played a pretty good game I'll, I'll give him that not something you hear often here but uh, if you agree with that take then you can send us an email at jetfueldiscordpodcast at gmail.com 
And as always, you can join the Discord and engage in our little circle of internet heaven. Uh, Sliz, where can the people join the Discord? Yep, at discord.gg slash nyjets. And hey, no no better time than than in the midst of a 6-3 and three season to be joining and, and just living it up with Jets fans, man. Man, this is it's great because isn't this like the first time that Discord's been a thing since like the Jets have been good, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, Jet, Jets have not been good since this the Discord has popped. And hey, we we didn't give it a shout out. We officially cleared the Vegas over under for the season, oh. and it, we're at the midway point. So hey, let's go! Congrats to all the. I'm not a sports bet guy. I, I think it's way over permeated in, into everything now, but. Anyone that had a future bet on that over under, congrats on hitting. <laughs> yep. Yeah, cut me in next time too, because I don't do the gambling. I'm too broke for that. But <laughs> is what it is. But that'll do it for this episode of Jet Fuel. For Matt Salard, I am Joe Rivera, reminding you you can't take flight without Jet Fuel.